This is the Raider Cotton Nation podcast with your host, Alpha Mike, and our roster of co-hosts, we patrol America's law enforcement beat. We invite you today on a ride-along. Now, here's your weekly briefing on Raider Cop Nation. Hi, atop of Florida's Peninsula at 108 feet, this is Alpha Mike, and you are listening to Raider Cop Nation. Episode, this time I'm going to say it correctly, 110. Unfortunately, in the last episode, which was really 109, I kept on repeating 110. That's what happens when you forget to update the outline form. So it happens, mistakes do occur. Today's episode, situational awareness, especially for those carry concealed weapons people or just for those that are security conscious in today's society. I'll take you through some of the required equipment and some of the required mindset that you should have in situational awareness. It is not a very difficult subject because I can't say it all it all boils down to a little bit of common sense. But like a former prisoner that I knew, he used to stay all the time. Common, you don't know common. So common sense doesn't come to everybody. So we're going to break it down into a small practical elements. So now we're also going to talk about a little bit of some of the fanfare that's happened as a result to our last episode, which is 109-109, and that was the club. We've got a lot of attention on that. A lot of people were listening intensively. Some people were a little bit more nervous than others, and some people reached out with questions. Those that uh, had questions were basically, uh, I'll term them as civilians, didn't really understand the foundation of what I was talking about, and they wanted a little bit more. So some of the questions that they were asked were a little bit more specific, like, well, what do you mean by behind the scenes and, and so forth? So I said, well, you know, I can do a secondary episode on the club, but I came up with something a little bit better. But before we dive into that, it's time for the word of the week. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. As always, the word, if you're struggling with that relationship with God, struggle no more because know that he is faithful patient, and waiting. 
Now, I left you a little bit on a cliffhanger, what we're going to do with the episode of the club. And we're going to get that uh, situated in a minute. Our schedule will continue as follows, as we've told you. We are doing one change, and that was um, for a show in December with uh, our uh, Wise Guy series dealing with uh, the, the Lucchese family. Uh, kind of switched that up, and we're uh, instead of doing that, so I, I did have other questions on uh, the Wise Guy series. And uh, one person in particular asked, you know, it's great a lot of the shows that you're talking about, but what's the current mafia leadership? So we're going to do a show on that. And uh, so we're going to replace the Lucchese uh, crime family. That that was set for December 4th, episode 116-116. And we've changed that to Who's the Boss of the Mafia? And we're going to uh, look at all segments of the mafia. Of course, the rumor is that uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and I believe they only investigate Trump now, but one of their uh, investigative resources say that there's only seven mafia families left. And uh, they are a little bit more. Some are insignificant than others, but they nevertheless, they're still on the books. So we'll go through that December 4th. And uh, it uh, the list is a little long, so don't think uh, I'm going to tell you who the boss is and a little bit about that boss and uh, so you can get a better picture. So that, that would answer that question that was answered of the Wise Guys series. How do you get in contact with us? Well, it's easy. You just dial... RaiderCopNation.com. Once you get there, check out our icons on the bottom, and that'll so- take you to our social networking. And there, we encourage you to become a member of Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, LinkedIn, and everything else that's out there. And communicate with us, like some people are doing. They are listening to the show. Our numbers are going up. I'm very appreciative of those individuals that listen and learn, and uh, the audience is uh, considers considerably moving on up the food chain. Uh, the state of California has officially taken as the number one state in the United States listening to the podcast. It was Florida for the last uh, almost two years, but uh, that's been surpassed by California, which is hungry, hungry for some information. So I'm glad that you, uh, you've you taken the opportunity to listen to Radio Cop Nation, and we will continue to bring you these episodes once a week, every Wednesday. And if not myself, it will be with our superhero co-hosts, which are back from their summer hiatus, and slowly we will be bringing them all on, and uh, you'll have a chance to talk to them all over again. So that's the update. Other than that, our schedule stays the same on uh, the remainder of the year. I did put up a calendar, so I'll just do it real quickly. I've got it up in front of me on the screen. Of course, this is episode 110, 
this time I'll say it right. My apologies for 109. I kept on repeating 110. And the reason for that, I we had changed the schedule, but I didn't change my outline card. It's a card I use when I'm doing the show. So I didn't change that. And then, so my blunder, folks. October 30th, trick or die with the cop, 111. November 6th, also with the cop, Shady Slim Sharpton and the New Racket. And that's part of the sidebar series. November uh, 13th with uh, Mike Sierra. We're going to do some uh, CBD. And now what happens with the departments as far as medical marijuana and uh, the departments are continuing with their zero policy. But the big question is, what if the uh, federal government says that uh, it's perfectly legal and your specific state also says it's legal? How in the world can these agencies now justify this action? I know a lot of people talk about the military, but uh, that's the military code of justice, totally different. So it's going to be an interesting uh, episode, and that will be 113 with Mike Sierra. November 20th, the prayer business, 114. Interesting how uh, the United States government uh, has made the business of prayer a business. November 27th, giving thanks and what you're grateful for, and that is episode 115, 115. Giving thanks and what you're specifically grateful for. December 4th, we told you we changed that from the Lucchese crime family in the Wise Guy series to the Who's the Boss of the Mafia by special request. And that is also episode 116. December 11th, we're going to jump into Truth, Justice, and the New American Way with yours truly. And uh, it's going to basically... What's right, what's not right in today's society, society, and how you can get mixed up with all the stupidity that's out there. December 18th, uh, we, we're going to do a show on the best of Radio Cop Nation. That will be 118 and December 25th. Uh, we're going to bring that into uh, the best of Radio Cop Nation as well in 119. And we'll start January 1st, 2020, with Praise God for another year. And uh, we'll also give you at that time, uh, January 1st to show, uh, probably the next two months after that, so January and February, as a lineup as well. Remember, 2020, we're going to be bringing in guests to our show. So not only will we have the superheroes, they'll be with us. I'm also going to be lining up uh, guests specific uh, with us. Um, we might be talking about an array of things, but it's not going to be a lot of guests. We'll probably do about six for the whole year. So we'll we'll pick and choose, as we're doing right now, who those six will be. So a lot on the agenda, as you can see. All right, what you've all been waiting for, and the infamous drum roll. Do we have a drum roll? All right, we do have a drum roll. So what we are going to be doing on this issue with the club, instead of coming up with a secondary episode that we could do, and it would probably lose a little bit in in translation. So I decided not to do that. And uh, and then it's 
a little bit, um, I think this is just a better way to do it. So what we're going to do is from here to our last shows, and I will also include those in the uh, last two episodes of December, up to December 25th, I'll talk about the introduction. It'll be an overview of these, what I'm talking about when I talk about the club. So when I do the intro for those shows, I'll do a, about uh, five to ten minutes on the club, and it'll give you a little bit more insight. So, and that also forces you to listen to the up other episodes that are coming up. See how that works? Brilliant. And the drum roll was unique and strange, too, because we have a cool drum roll. That's just a regular drum roll. All right. So today we're going to talk about the club. That was episode 109. And from now on until December 25th, every time I do the introduction, that comes right after the word of the week, I will give you a five to ten minute overview on a little deeper inside of what that club is. And and, and, and the thought just crossed my mind. If, if I still see that need out there, people are asking for a little bit more, then I'll do a special show for 2020. But for now... This is what we're going to do. So today on the introduction uh, segment of the club, we're going to talk about the structure. The basic structure of the organization, some differ and some are a little bit more complex than others. Some of these institutions were started um, in the 60s and 70s. Some are a little bit younger. Um, <clears throat> they all started with a specific goal in mind. And that goal was mostly to push the agenda, we'll use that, and to grab and seize power. Anything else that anybody tells you is a pure lie. The structure is usually, of course, you have the corporate structure, which is president, vice president, and so forth. And you have a board of directors and all that. But the, the working mechanism of these structures are done by crews, and there are specific crews. Now, depending on the agency, and I'm not going to name any so I don't have to have anybody blush, but let's say you're from a municipal or county police department or something like that, you guys might have certain crews that are in stations or districts, and those uh, crews may be given specific duties to do. And some of them might be uh, from pushing the agenda on uh, the media, making connections to strides. Some might be to uh, move the business section and uh, get sponsorship for certain things. Some might be using the political agenda and getting uh, those contacts that are greatly needed. And some will use the inner structure of the agency itself, they most of these organizations have front men or women, so nobody gets pissed off at me, in the union. And uh, I know some union officials are listening right now in total shock, but uh, it's not my fault you've been asleep. And these individuals wear two hats, but the primary hat is that of the club or the organizations. And uh, 
they will bang the drum for specific agendas that the club or the association needs via the union. And then they have the structure of the agency, certain positions. Uh, um, let's say sergeant, lieutenant, captain, uh, commanders, all the way up to the top of the helm. As far as the association's highest-ranking official is, each one of those individuals will have a specific duty within that structure of their agencies and what people know. Now, the 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room, and I'll finish with this, is, is any of this stuff illegal? And the answer to that is no, but it's a fine line that may have, that may need legal interpretation. How do you like them apples? So were some organizations uh, tipped off for things that were occurring? Yes, way before they occurred. Um, you got ready for the event. And um, I'll give you a specific. Uh, let's say uh, Officer A, B, C. And uh, we, had, we had one guy. And I'll, I'll finish. Uh, uh, two more points. The, the point I'm going to make and another point. We had one guy that um, he was in an agency that was close to uh, the waterfront. We'll say that. And he was out there, this guy, and the agency really wanted to get him. So the structure within that agency, I was not a part of that structure. They were doing everything in their power to keep him employed. But uh, the day of reckoning was coming nearer and nearer. So they branched out and they started asking for help from other organizations. Uh, we were tasked with some of that assistance, and we did. Uh, some of that we did on the local radio uh, as a voice for that agency, calling the chief a coward and so forth. Uh, just to hold the brakes a little longer, uh, the individual was, and when I say out there, he just did stupid stuff. I mean, this guy was a train wreck. But, uh, you know, we did what we could to try to help him out. Because at the, end, at the end of the day, he was a good officer. He would make good arrest and everything else. He just uh, was a little kid at heart. So we did everything possible to, to, to keep him uh, employed. Ultimately, at the end, he was fired. I would say from the time we took, uh, we, we gained, we started getting involved. It took them about a year and a half to finally get him. And he, he got he got eventually terminated because of an incident that occurred on an off-duty assignment in some club that um, there was no way in saving him. So that was what put his head in the guillotine. If he would have kept his nose clean as we wanted him to, he might have survived or we could have had him transferred to another agency. But that's how that works. <clears throat> now, my last point on structure each organization, each agency had their own organizations. And they pushed the agenda for the membership, those that need to get promoted, those that want to go to specialties, those uh, that have uh, specific problems in the agency with specific, uh, let's say, uh, rank and file. Uh, the associations will try to help them as best they can. 
and uh, those that want to get employed and they, they want to come in. And let's say I have a son and I want my son to come in, but not necessarily to my agency. I want him to go to another agency. I can branch out to another association and ask for their assistance. Now, what I'm telling you now was more prevalent during the time that I was employed. Um, upon my retirement, which was three years ago, uh, basically what I'm telling you today is, uh, at least where I worked, was almost null and voided. Um, there was uh, some trick names that you would mention, and if you said those names, uh, one or two old-timers would look at you and, and uh, you know, that was a code word, and, and uh, they knew that you knew. But uh, today, for the kids, who you know, they're still in kindergarten, they don't know anything of what I'm talking about. Before I retired, I tried to educate some of them, but uh, it didn't work. Uh, fell on deaf ears, and one of them, I remember, very naively told me, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to try to become a representative with the union. A freaking idiot. Didn't know that in order to get that, you need the high five from the associations. Now, the associations could be Hispanic, they could be black, they could be Jewish, uh, they could be a women's organization, they could be uh, Italian, Asian. All of them pretty much do the same thing. Um, do they have to? Yes. Why? Because that's the way it is. They're good people and they're bad people. They're political hacks and agencies. That's what our sidebar series is all about. So to combat that, you need a structure. That's all I could tell you with that. So that structure, next episode, we'll keep on breaking down what we're talking about from um, episode The Club, which was 109. But today you're listening to 110, and we're here to talk about situational awareness, and I'm going to carry you through that event. So it's time to gear up and crank up the clowns. <laughs> Situational Awareness, Episode 110, our target audience, anybody that wants to capture some knowledge. Now, this could be for the active or retired officer, a little refresher. This could be for the novice. I, I'm not a sworn officer, but I like what you're saying, so I'm listening. Or this could be for the leftist pinkle that uh, they can understand a little bit more what goes into some of this uh, tactical approaches that uh, the other guys on the right do because the left, they're a total abortion when it comes to tactics. And we see they as they dress in black and get their ass kicked on TV all the time. So situational awareness, first name, situational. Okay, every situation is not the same. They are different. And therefore, you have to be prepared for that difference in 
the environment. So the way you structure your clothing or your wear is very important. If you're in sunny Florida in June, July, August, you know that it's steaming hot. The humidity is at a billion, and therefore you would be most likely wearing some type of shorts. Therefore, because the clothing is so thin, it's going to give you a lot of problems with concealment. And maybe what you wear or what weapon are you wearing? Give you an example. I'm a Florida. I'm down here in Florida, so um, during the month of June, July, and August, I might be sporting those shorts, and I carry a specific weapon with me. Uh, it might be a nine millimeter, okay, and I feel comfortable with it. My preferred carry is uh, inside the waistband. There's inside and there's outside. We'll get to that in a minute, and. Uh, where I'm at in the Tampa Bay region, where the pirates were born at 108 feet of altitude, we have a very cold winter spell here for Florida. Uh, my second year here, it dropped down to 27. So for those that are in Miami that are freezing just when I said the word 27, uh, that was the temperature that, that came down here. So uh, the temperature can come down in northern Florida a little bit uh, more lower than the people in Miami would like. And so I go for a heavier weapon, and I might be carrying a forty caliber as a result because now I'm going to wear some type of coat or jacket. So my concealment now is through layers of clothing, and I can ha carry a little bit more. I can also carry a little bit more gear, too like flashlight, extra mag, and so forth. And the summer months are kind of tough They for concealed weapon carry. But uh, nevertheless, it can be achieved. All right, so when we look at concealed weapon, the first thing we're going to do is, is your mindset. Once you decide it's time to vacate the premises of home and you're going to decide what weapon you're carrying, now I recommend that you kind of carry the seasonal weapon every day during that season. But once you put that weapon on, I would make it readily accessible with a little safety check. What does that mean? Well, what it means is strip the magazine out, make the weapon safe, clear, and empty, load the magazine again, chamber around, put the magazine back in, you're ready to go. So we got all those springs and everything that's the working components that Pistol Pete would be proud uh, if he had the opportunity of dealing with uh, fixing your weapon. You know that they're, it's going to be a little bit uh, more solid and working, that uh, there's not going to be any surprise element because you did a little uh, field stripping of the weapon. Nothing major. This is something just quick before you hit the road. So it's a little check to make sure everything's looking pretty good and then you have to decide on your type of carry whether it's inside the pants or outside now as i discussed myself during the summer months i go for inside the waistband when the winter or, or the cold spell comes down here i uh, depending the jacket whether it's a coat uh, or a sweater 
because, you know, it's, it's going to fluctuate. I will go to outside the waistband because I have that extra layer of clothing. That's my concealment. So I'm going to go for a bigger weapon. Most, uh, most of the time, all the time, my weapon's on the same side. And I don't change my tactical withdrawal. It's going to be with the same hand. It's going to be on the same side. And it's probably going to be cantered in the position that I like. So I'm not going to change that for the season because that would be a catastrophe. Okay. So now, once we get situated and we hit the road, let's talk about our vehicle. Our vehicle should have a lot of what you should be uh, carrying, your, a lot of your gear, uh, your flashlight, maybe if you have a first aid kit, extra magazines, extra, extra magazines in the car as well. If for those that have the ability to have a safe in their vehicle, relatively inexpensive, maybe a couple hundred dollars, and it's an actual safe that goes into the, the glove compartment, you could put some, uh, uh, maybe a secondary weapon. Uh, some trucks have on the back seats, they have certain uh, safe mechanism there too, and uh, people will carry shotguns there and ARs and so forth. But depending on your like and your preference. We're not talking about going to war. So for those that are listening to the show, go, my God, this guy's a maniac. It's up to your preference. I don't go to those extremes, but some people do. And unfortunately, maybe at some point, we're going to all have to. But for now, I don't. So your vehicle plays part of this concealed aspect as well. Now we're in the vehicle. We're driving, wherever location you're going to. One thing that you need to, a lot of us do driving daydreaming. We get from point A to point B. When we get to point B, we have no idea how we got there. But when you're with a weapon and you have to be tactically sound, so you have to start concentrating on your mile markers, on your location your street locations. This has become more of a challenge for me because I'm in a new environment. I've been uh, living up in the Tampa Bay area for three years now. So everything here is named streets compared to where I was in Miami. So now all of a sudden, I've got to kind of remember the streets. But what I do is I make it like a little game. So uh, I kind of know what street's coming up ahead, and I kind of guess whether I'm right or wrong and so forth. And I'm starting to get the layout a little bit better. So concentrating as to where you are, where are you located, uh, your addresses, even versus odds, what, what side of the street would evens be versus what side of the street would odd be. Reason for that, if you would have to call for assistance, dial 911 on your cell phone. Uh, you might want to give them a physical address if you can see one. And uh, so that's going to really help you in your tactical positioning as well, whether you're on the even or odd side of the street. So that might be a little bit too demanding for the novice, uh, but eventually you'll grow into that um, type of... Uh, tactical mindset. 
So I'll give you a scenario. You're driving down a city street, and you make a turn, and you really weren't paying attention to the name of the street that you were. You had turned, and something happens, a car wreck or something, it turns into an event. You don't know where you're at. So another important issue is the privacy on your phone. A lot of people take off that location sensor on the phone because they don't want people to know where they're at. But if you call 911, if you have the ability to call 911, uh, the grid to find you might be a little bit larger than you would like. So keep that into consideration too. Now the reason to be uh, with that situational awareness, conscious of where you're going, what street are you on and all that. And it takes some effort. It takes some effort, especially if you're not used to it. Uh, Positioning the cell phone on your body as you exit the vehicle. So for me, I always have the cell phone on the opposite side of my support hand on my carry hand because I'm going to dial 911, not with my gun hand, with my support hand. So I've got to have that telephone in that position too. I've also placed on my phone that I don't have to punch in a bunch of numbers to unlock it. I'm going to use the fingerprint. Some phones now have face recognition. But whatever it is, you want to make sure it works very quickly. So you can dial those numbers, 911. Once you get the dispatcher on the phone, you're going to give them a, a very brief description. They're going to want to yak with you, uh, but you're going to take charge of the call. By basically saying, I have this type of situation, this is my location, I am wearing whatever physical description you have, and I, I have a weapon on me, and I'm going to engage the subject. Okay? Don't hang up. Leave the phone on speaker, or, or at least active, and um, hopefully they hear you uh, giving very loud commands, stop, don't move, put your hands up, or whatever it is. So the positioning of your cell phone is very important. Now remember, cell phone's going to be dialed only if possible. You don't have a bad guy pointing a gun at you. You can't say, wait, wait, hold it. This is the part that i got to get the phone or my support hand and dial 911. No, we're beyond that. Forget the freaking phone. we got to try to blast our way out of that one, okay? So knife positioning. When I was an officer, I carried my weapon on my strong side, and my knife was on the opposite side. A lot of times you see police officers, and they will carry the knife and the gun on the same side, which to me was complete stupidity. And uh, first of all, they never defined why are they carrying a knife. So for me, I'm carrying a knife for two things. I'm going to use it as a tool. In the event that I need something, whether it's cut a seatbelt, whether uh, it, it's I have an obstruction in my weapon, I might have to use that knife to help me pry what I, you know, it could be an array of things. And I also may use it as a defensive weapon. Okay. So if I'm going to use it as a defensive weapon also, I might want to look into a knife. Uh, Pretty reasonable in price, hopefully. That's a push button, like all better known as a switchblade. 
the last thing you have one hand on your gun, the other one on your knife, you're not gonna be able to open the freaking knife. So you might want to get uh, the push button switchblade type of thing, and uh, sharp and with jagged edges because you might have to cut. So keep that in mind. It should be on your support side as well. Now there'll be some fanatics out there go, "What are you talking about? It's supposed to be okay, all right." So. Uh, we talked about the vehicle uh, weapons and safes. They're relatively uh, inexpensive. You could probably get some for about uh, less than three hundred. We'll see that. And uh, the different type of safes. I don't recommend those that you need a key. Can you imagine that? Shooting goes down. The keys on your keychain in the ignition. Duh. So. You might want to have one that has a combination, very quick combination, four digits. And four digits you're going to remember, folks. Uh, you know, don't be putting uh, my first girlfriend's birthday and month and then forget who the hell it was. So something that you can remember, four digits real quick. And try not to make the obvious one, two, three, four, you know, in case a bad guy gets in your car. Uh, no safety on a gun. You don't want to put any safety on a gun. If you have a safety on the gun, you might as well just go home and eat popcorn and watch TV because you're in the wrong business. So when you're carrying and you're going out there and you're expecting the event, remember the event's going to go down without a memorandum being shot to you telling you on this specific date and time we're going to have an incident. You don't know when it's going to happen. Last thing you want to do is fumble around with the safety. Eyewear. In summer months, for those that like to be stylish and they have to have their sunglasses, the Ray-Bans, or whatever they want to wear, you don't want to wear anything that's so freaking flimsy that uh, the first time you run, it just falls apart. You want something that's a little bit um, rougher or tougher. Now, on Rated Cop Nation, we have the tactical consideration section on the page. And there's a section there for eyewear. And we, we recommend, uh, it's a pretty cheap brand. It's not very expensive. And I have a bunch of them. Edge Eyewear. And uh, probably less than $20, depending the style you want. Very clear, tactical-type glasses, very strong, sturdy. I'm not going to really you know do the PR for the company, but you can look into it yourself. It's called Edge Eyewear. Less than 20 bucks. They're tight-fitted sunglasses, folks. So don't put them on and go, oh, my God, they're so tight. That's, hello? All right, so next one. A tactical belt. You need a tactical belt to carry all this stuff. Last thing you want to do is put your gun inside the pants, outside the pants holster, whatever the hell it is, and an extra magazine. Now, some flimsy gun you brought at the Ross department store that was on sale for $5.99. It's not a good idea, folks. So you want to use a tactical belt that is rugged enough to hold all that weight. Usually 5'11". On the page, uh, radiocopnation.com, on tactical consideration, we have the belts, too. Cheap. They're not very uh, expensive, so you can take a look at that. Okay, we talked about the holster inside and outside the pants. Go through your holsters. Myself and Kilo Sierra, we did a segment on holsters, we talked about, uh, uh, you know, carrying concealed, and we 
we we went on and, and we said that we could have episode upon episodes of uh, conversation on holsters. Now, anybody that's an avid uh, weapon or con- concealed weapon holder probably has, and no exaggeration, and I'm going to be very conservative, at least five holsters for one gun and up. Okay, they have holsters that people would say, "Where the hell did you get this?" Ah, I said it was on specials, you know, five ninety nine. I just couldn't resist. But you don't know. People just buy them, and they throw them in a the drawer. So you're going to want to look and search for that one <clears throat> that works for you, and make sure you stick to it. All right. So we got the holsters out of the way. Uh, you want to have a. a a holster that holds an extra magazine. Don't recommend having a magazine in your pocket because uh, you got to go through layers of clothing to get it. Holsters are made. You know exactly where the holster is or the the magazine holder, and you're going to go and withdraw the weapon, of course, you know, index. You know how the drill was to put the magazine inside the well of the weapon. So you want to position that just like you wear a duty belt. It would be on your support side, and you know, the, the, the way you would like it, the way it works for you. But I don't recommend having a magazine somewhere in a pocket because uh, apparently you think there's a, you have time, you know, to, to do this. And uh, time is very important. Flashlights. Flashlights are one of those things that are so, so difficult to remember. First of all, you don't need a flashlight in the daylight. So a lot of people only bring it out when it's nighttime. So usually your flashlights have to be kept in the car because, you know, body, 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 body. And they should be on your support side and all that. But remember, I don't want to get into the flashlight uh, protocol. On readycopnation.com, on the tactical consideration section, we do have some flashlights there for you to take a look at. But remember, it's going to be on your support hand, of course, your shooting hand holding the gun, flashlight holding the flashlight, the support hand. In the dark, the only purpose that the flashlight has is to quickly illuminate the target and turn it off. You don't turn it on and stand there like a target. Does that make sense? You want to flash, illuminate where you're going to shoot, and turn off. Shoot and move, okay? You don't want to put on the light. You know, here I am. Uh, hello. See me? You can shoot me now. And we talked about the tactical knife. Now, if you put all this together, it would, for the average person that would say, well, well, this is a lot, you know, these are uh, tackleberry mentality. Some people just put on a gun and go. Okay, that's good. That works for you. That works for you. I know. I, I know one instructor, a firearms instructor, used to tell me, "I only need one magazine. I'm not going to go to two. You know, he was a good shot. Not saying he wasn't, but uh, hey, more power to you. You know, some people know they got to have two, three, four. You know, so all these things are a preference. But whatever your preference is, stick to it. Don't fool around with it. If you're going to have an extra magazine, make sure you always have the extra magazine. If you're going to one magazine, you're a one magazine guy. Because when you introduce or take away from your supply, it confuses the hell out of you. 
and therefore that could present a real problem. We can go into more issues like uh, comfortable clothing, nothing too tight, and so forth. Uh, but we'd be here all day. Ultimately, it, it's your responsibility to train based on the equipment, how you're going to carry it, and to carry it systematically like that all the time. It depends on you and your family's life that you do it correctly. We don't know when the event's going to happen, so we have to be ready for the event. Situational awareness, most important comment that I can tell you as I close out this episode 110 is on your shooting hand, your strong hand, the hand you're going to reach for that gun, you don't want to be carrying anything, including your groceries. When the event goes down, folks, you won't know when it goes down. You want to have that hand free and ready at all times. Now, I know it's difficult, but you gotta have you got to have that mindset. And, of course, if, it's your, if you are with your family, you have to have some type of code, and uh, the family uh, have to know what their instructions are. Maybe, maybe they're the phone person. So... They're going to go for the phone. They're going to die 911, and they're going to do the description and the call and all that. So you want to train them on their aspect of what they may be doing as well. So I want to apologize. It looks like I'm coming down a little bit with something, and uh, you can hear it on the, on the microphone, so I apologize for that. Situational awareness means paying attention to your surroundings, being ready for the event. Of course, if you were to get shot, you would most likely not even know it. Your adrenaline will keep on flowing until you, someone either tells you you got shot or you start noticing blood. At that point, don't panic. You could, if you're safe, uh, put your fingers and interject them in any type of wound to stop the bleeding until, and of course, if you have a tourniquet, in your first aid equipment, that would help tremendously. Years ago, you would talk about this and people would call you that tackleberry. Today, we will live in a society that is scary, that we don't know what's going to happen. We have to be ready for that event. And being prepared means you can live to tell the tale. This is Alpha Mike, and it's been my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Radio Cop Nation. I encourage you to continue to pray for yourself, because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family, for your community, for the police agency that serves you, and most importantly, continue to pray for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike, and I'm out. And guide her through the night with a light from above from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam God bless America my home